So it's actually a cool gospel for me to start my time in St. Thomas with, this gospel where Jesus gives 72 disciples their mission. To really understand, we've got to kind of unpack what, what, what's going on here. So we heard last week that Jesus, who was headed to Jerusalem, he said he set his face towards Jerusalem. He came, and this, he's going to Jerusalem to do what he came here to do, right? To suffer, to die, to give himself up for our sins, to offer us salvation. Before he does that, he sends 72 disciples ahead of him to preach the gospel to the people they encounter, to proclaim that the kingdom of God is here. Now, why 72? That kind of seems like an odd number. But in the Old Testament times, it was believed that there were 72 nations in the world. So 72, that was a symbolic of, of all peoples. So what Jesus is doing is that he's saying this mission isn't just for any kind of particular sort of people. It's not just for the 12 apostles. It's not just for the Jews. But it's for all people to preach the gospel to, to all nations. So if we're going to analogize that to today, it's not just the mission of the successors to the 12, the bishops and the priests, but to the you know, so-called successors to the 72 Everybody, you all, this is the mission that Jesus gives to all of us. So it's important that if we're going to try to live as good Christians, we're going to try to live as the men and women that the Lord is calling us to, they understand what that means, that we hear the mission that Jesus gives to us so that we actually know what we're doing, right? So what I want to do is kind of move through what Jesus tells these 72 disciples to kind of unpack what he's inviting us all to, what the mission that he gives each one of us is. The very first thing he tells them to do is not to go out, not to go do any kind of great thing, but to start off by asking the master of the harvest to send out laborers, to ask the master, to talk to the master, to, to pray. That if that's not the very foundation of what we're doing, all the great works that we do, they're not going to have that same kind of efficacious uh, work because we're not doing them in union with the Master. We're doing them on our own, which is us trying to do these good things, which is great, but that's not what the Lord is calling us to. He's calling us to, first and foremost, to put ourselves in union with the Master, to talk to Him, and to, from that relationship, go out, so that we're not working on our own, but we're working in communion with Him. That has to be the very first foundation. Before we go out and do anything, that has to be there. Then the next thing he tells them is to when they go out, don't bring anything with you. No sack, no money, no bag, no cloak, no walking stick, no sandals, no nothing. Be like setting out on vacation or a trip or something, and we're just going to go with nothing. We're just going to close on our back, we're going to go out and see what happens. Which at times might be kind of fun, but for the most part, it seems kind of ridiculous. I don't think many of us would actually do that. What Jesus is, is inviting them to do is to not rely on their own skill, not to rely on their own, the things that they have, their own power, but to put themselves in a position to rely on the Lord. To exercise this virtue of trust that no matter what happens, no matter what the storm may be, no matter how confusing, how hopeless, how difficult, no matter what the situation in our lives is, that we can rely on the Lord and trust that He is active and working in those moments. And it's precisely because we've put ourselves in this position of needing to rely on him that we're able to encounter him in that way and to see him acting. So what the Lord is inviting those disciples to do, to put themselves in this position of trusting that he can actually act when it seems like things are going wrong. 
And so then he sends them out to proclaim that the kingdom of God is at hand, that the kingdom of God is here. That in, that, in these situations, that's what the kingdom of God is, God's action in, in our lives. And that's just as true now as it was 2,000 years ago, that the kingdom of God is here tonight at St. Thomas. The ways God is acting in your life and the ways that you experience him, that is what the kingdom of God is. And so he sends them out to proclaim that message. And then the next thing we know, they're coming back. We don't actually get to hear what they did. We don't get to hear what it was like for them to proclaim the gospel. We just hear that they come back rejoicing. It's like we hear the pep talk before the game, and then we miss the actual game itself, but then they won the game, it seems like. They came back rejoicing. So we can maybe think that, you know, it must have been easy, right? They, everything must have been great. Everything looked successful. They did a good job, and they had no, no problems or anything. The Lord said... He sent them out like lambs among wolves. I don't think, that, don't think it was that easy, just because we don't hear about it. It's actually hard to really live out this message that the Lord invites all, everyone, each one of us to. That's because he's inviting us to exercise this virtue of trust, this disposition of relying on the Lord. Because if relying on the Lord, that means we're not relying on ourselves. That means that we actually need his help which is difficult. It's hard for us to, to kind of live that out in our own lives. The seminary where I was at before kind of had this motto. It was called, it said, Deus Providebit, God will provide. The rector, the head of the seminary, would end every homily with that. He'd end every conference with that. This idea that God will provide. Kind of, it, over the years, it, it sat with me, it stuck with me, kind of became part of my own prayer. That ever since the Lord has took me on this crazy journey that landed me here as a priest, time and time again, it's been him showing me that no matter how much I think I'm coming up short, no matter how much I think that I don't, I don't know what's going on, that it seems like whatever the storm may be, that he's active and present, that I can't actually rely on him because he will provide in every one of the situations. It was just eight short years ago that I was here at Nichols studying biology. I thought I was going to be a doctor. I was three years into pre-med. And it was in this chapel that I experienced the Lord in a new way. That I encountered him and all these things that, that we hear, I kind of began to believe just a little bit that it, was all, it all could be real. That God really is active. That I really can rely on him and that he does have this plan for me. And it's when I felt that invitation to, to leave Nichols to go to the seminary to discern if God was calling me to serve him and to serve you all as his priest. It was really six years of, of seeking to know the Lord more and more deeply in my own life, to believe more and more every day that, that it is true that he really is active and present and that he's someone I can rely on and trust in. And time and time again, it was him showing me that no matter what, what happened, no matter the, the difficulty, no matter how much I thought I would come up short, every time I tried to rely on my own uh, powers instead of the plan that he had set before me, no matter how many times he continued to show me that he would be there and that he would provide, if I would continue to rely on him and abide with him, he would never, ever ab abandon me. And that truth is true for every single one of us. That doesn't make it easy by any stretch of the imagination. It still feels like we're going up as lambs among wolves, whether that's 
being a lamb among the wolf of, of, of this culture, among the people we're called to proclaim the gospel to, that everything seems to be contrary to what we say here. Maybe we just feel like we're lambs among wolves with the temptations and the desires of our own hearts. We feel like we're just gonna, we're getting eaten alive. It's not easy. And that's why St. Paul in the second reading said that it's only in the cross of the Lord Jesus that he can boast. Only in this, this symbol of, of suffering and death that he boasts. Because yes, the cross, it does reveal to us the sacrifices that it, it may require of us to be a Christian. To live out this, this call that Jesus has for us does invite us to give of ourselves, to sacrifice ourselves, to do things that are difficult. But the cross also reminds us of is of the fact that of how far God is willing to go with us in that. Even to the point of death. There's nothing that will make him shy away from this commitment to continue to provide for us no matter what the situation is in our lives. And it's from this experience of encountering Jesus and the, the, the beauty of the cross in our lives in this way that brings this joy that we see the disciples coming back with. The holy joy and the eternal gladness that we prayed for at the opening prayer of this Mass. From experiencing this reality just a little bit that God continues to provide for us whatever that situation may be. And in that, that joy, that proclamation, we can't help but, but tell people about it because it's changed us, it's impacted us. And in the face of that, Jesus said it has power. He saw Satan fall like lightning because of what the disciples were doing. He can't help but flee in the face of that joy because he knows he, he can't stop that. He's powerless that he can't stop the action of God in our own lives. And as we develop that trust, he, he, he loses his power over us and he, he runs away. And in our own lives, as we experience this, as we exercise this virtue of trust, he falls. Whether that's in whatever our job may be, if we have a difficult situation, we don't know what the decision to make is, we exercise this virtue of trust that God's going to provide for us, Satan falls. If it's in our own marriage or relationship that we continue with whatever the difficulties that arise in there. We trust that somehow the Lord is acting and that the Lord has brought us together. Satan falls like lightning. Whatever the difficulty may be, the kingdom of God, Satan can't, can't live there. So we make the kingdom of God present. He can't help but flee. So I'm excited to be here to make that kingdom with Father Mitch present with you all. Working to establish the kingdom of God here in Thibodeau at Nichols at St. Thomas to make Satan flee, to make Satan fall like lightning. So I ask you to pray for me and Father Mitch as we, together we embark on this, we know of our prayers for you, that together we make the kingdom of God real here and make Satan flee. Amen.